Wednesday night. We're kicking off a brand new semester, and we're super excited about it. And the way we do it is we turn a, a Wednesday night. We have free burgers. Uh, starts at 515. Uh, have a little prayer after that. Have a little worship. And then you'll be meeting all the small group leaders in the church. We've got more groups going on this semester than we've ever had in the history of the church. I'm really excited about it. And uh, here's the deal. Our Christian life, in terms of the, the rhythm of a healthy Christian life, it takes three components. Number one, it takes, and most importantly, your personal time with God. Before I came in to be with you, I read my Bible. I did the Proverbs challenge this morning. Then we need a large group experience. We are the body of Christ together. But guess what? In a large group, I can't really get to know you. I might know your face, but I don't know much about you, and you don't know me. And most importantly, we can't help one another in the Christian life. That's why we need to be a part of some small group of believers, whether it's a group that meets in a home, a group that does outreach and ministry, whatever the case is. But we've got lots of them. And if you'll just invest your Wednesday night, and this week you'll, you'll, you'll be clued in on everything. So I sure hope you'll come and be a part of that. And then as we kick off the semester on Wednesday nights, we've got cool things happening. We've got a service, a regular service here on Wednesday. We've got classes to go through. And we've got, like I think it's like 28 different life groups. So cool things happening, of course, with the kids every week, teenagers as well. Uh, let me mention, too, that tonight is our breakthrough prayer. We're having a potluck at 5 for all of our ministry team leaders. And uh, uh, afterwards, right here at 6.30, just prayer and worship to kind of uh, celebrate this month of January as we've been seeking God together. Uh, we're going to continue now with our morning offering. And I want to mention a couple things to you. We have a guest this morning, uh, Apostle Jay Threadgill from the nation of Haiti. And uh, I, that term is not used a lot. Oftentimes it's misused. Uh, when you see an apostle in, a, in the Bible, they tend to be a person that's anointed for influence more than just in a local congregation. But there's a grace on their life, typically for oversight and a large degree, particularly a national influence. Well, Jay and his wife, he'll tell you their story. Uh, they're a sister church of ours in Haiti. Uh, they went to Haiti about 30 years ago, and today there are literally tens upon tens upon tens upon thousands of, of believers in that nation, churches all over the island, schools all over the island. And one of the neat things that they do is they feed kids. Right now they feed about 3,000 kids a day, the best meal of the day they get in the context of their school. They don't have public education like we do. And we have these little cans. They're all around the church. You just pick up one, take it home with you, and put your nickels, quarters, dimes in it. And uh, we got enough nickels and dimes in December, we sent a little over $900 uh, to feed kids. Well, guess what? That's about 3,000 meals, if you can believe that. And uh, so that's a really, really cool thing. Uh, the scripture I want to read for our offering is, is connected with this. Jesus said in Matthew 28, the last words Jesus spoke before his ascension, he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. In other words, <laughs> I'm the boss of this thing. I'm leading it. I've overcome death, hell, and the grave. Now, I want you to go, Jesus said, and make disciples of all the nations. That's all around the world. I want you to baptize them in water in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And number verse 20, I want you to teach them to observe all things. That is to train them and make them into a follower of Christ. All things I've commanded you and a great promise. Jesus said, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, a church is really about three things. A church is about caring for the needs of those that are a part of the family, and all of us need care. 
whether it's prayer, we may be in the hospital, we need a friend, a, a visit, it could be a death in the family. Caring's a part of it. Uh, making disciples is a huge part of it. I mean, no, we're not here just to hear an inspiring message and go about our day. Church is a place for spiritual growth, a culture, an environment where your children, your young children, your teenagers, adults can grow spiritually. But the third thing, okay, bye. The third thing, those are teenagers, they have their D groups. The third thing is that the church has a mission to go into all the world. And this church in particular, we do our best to try to go to the nations of the world. We try to reach people here in Texarkana, but around the world. Uh, Jay's here from Haiti. We just had a team that got back from India. We're going to let you see what happened over there. We've got another one going to India uh, in just a few days. And then we're going to do some construction in Haiti about March 16th. They're going to be putting a roof on the church. Need about eight guys to go down there. Jason's leading that. Jason, wave your hand to everybody. You'll hear some more information there. But your giving makes it possible. And I want to encourage you to see we turn money into ministry, and it makes a difference in people's lives. And I want to say thank you so much for bringing your tithe and offering to the house of the Lord. God bless you. Take a peek at the trip from India, and then Brother Jay will be with us. Several months ago, there was a cyclone that devastated Vishakhtapatnam, a city in the southern region of India. We have a sister church on the rock located there that was greatly impacted by this powerful storm. Every building on their entire campus was damaged in some way. Roofs were ripped off, trees were twisted, and the entire campus was left in shambles. We felt that God called us to travel halfway around the world and help with their relief efforts. He provided a team of 11 from our church with nearly $30,000 to travel there and be a blessing to this campus. We had the opportunity to minister in local villages and to their seminary students. While we were there, our team not only ministered, but we also helped with their cleanup effort by working on their grounds and in their campus hospital. By your giving, we were able to purchase equipment needed to aid them in their campus cleanup. We want to personally thank you for your contributions and show you how your giving makes an impact around the world. On behalf of COTR College Ministries, we want to thank COTR Texarkana, Pastor Miller. Thank you so much for blessing us with this piece of equipment. This is a blessing. We have all these buildings to scrape, to clean, to paint. And as you can see, what a beautiful job it's doing of stripping the paint. And uh, we have much to clean. It'll clean our automobiles, all the buildings, the bathrooms, and prep everything for paint. We thank you. God bless you. We love you. Amen. Come on, let's give it up for the Lord. Praise God. I am absolutely certain that one of the greatest aspects of many aspects that has made this church great has been your missions giving and your missions participation. And uh, be, when you, Jesus said, you know, that we'd be witnesses not only in our Jerusalem, your Jerusalem is Texarkana, but Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. And so he not only wanted us to reach our city, but he wanted us to be extensions to the cities of the world. And you have done such a wonderful job. And I speak from a, Experience, You've been such a great blessing to us in Haiti, to Linda and I. And I know you're a great blessing to the other missionaries that you support here. And because of that, you're blessed in Jesus' name. And if you can receive that blessing, all people would say, 
Amen. Praise God. Um, I flew out without any kind of pictures or videos, but on Friday as I'm in an airport somewhere, I texted back to Haiti and said, can you do something for me? I flew out with nothing. And they said, "Already then," <laughs> and they sh- they texted it back over to me Friday night. And your tech high your tech people extraordinaire back there got it from my f- telephone to their computers, and that's really cool. I don't know how to do that. And uh, so uh, we got a little film. It's actually a, a, just a few excerpts from a day of prayer and fasting about a week and a half, two weeks ago, from the 12th of January, which was the five-year anniversary of the devastating quake. Now we have not only memorialized this day, but have used this day as a, as, a, as, a, as a marker of a day from where we moved from one season to another. And uh, we call a day of prayer and fasting, a day of prayer and fasting. Hallelujah. And uh, we'll have, it, it, there, there's different times in that video, but there, it, it, different shots that you'll see, there's four to 6,000 people as the day goes on. Uh, if you look real close, you'll see it towards the end. Even the stairwells are jammed with people because they can't find a place to sit down. And that's pretty cool um, when you uh, are worshiping and praying. Um, there's a couple of excerpts in there where I'm talking. One, I'm talking about the loss of our loved ones, and they cut it, cut it, and I wish they hadn't cut it there because I go into the fact that our loved ones are now in the cloud of witnesses, and they're cheering and praying that we go forward, praise God. And for all of us that have lost someone dear to us, they're not hurting. They're, they're worshiping, and they're blessed, and they're in the cloud of witnesses praying that you and your family keep going forward. And everybody said, and there's another part in there where I'm speaking Creole, and you should, if you're in the spirit, will discern exactly what I'm saying. Uh, but that is actually an altar call. And so let's go ahead, uh, tech person extraordinaire. Let her rip. that did not lose somebody they loved. Not one person sitting in this room that did not lose someone they loved. Hallelujah. Amen. 
Every now, not in this church, but every now and then I get in some churches and I got to hurry home, get back to some of that. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. I mean, if you're not ready to just dance and act foolish for Jesus, we're just not quite there, I don't think. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's why God sent me there. He knew I needed that. Praise the Lord. It's just a pleasure to be with you. Now, you have to understand, you have a great segment of that church dedicated, the Church on the Rock, Texarkana. You gave so generously and so graciously into the construction of that church. We lost our church five years ago and uh, lost 32 people in that church when it came down. Uh, very devastating time. I don't like to talk about it a whole lot, but we had to rebuild, and we, of course, lived in a tent for the four years. That tent got built right about the fourth year anniversary, the, right before the, well, I guess it was a three-and-a-half-year anniversary when that building got built, and uh, you guys were very instrumental in even providing the tent to us, which is cool. We needed something over our head, praise God, and so... Uh, God was gracious, and you guys have been such a part of what we've done down there for so long. Bless you, bless you, bless you. You have to understand over th almost 300,000 people lost their lives in a minute and 47 seconds. The first 15 seconds, you're wondering what's going on. The next, the next minute, most of them, the buildings started coming down around them. And so that was a very tough time, but uh, God has brought us not only through it, but God has reignited Haiti. Now, here's a good statistic for you. I didn't even say this in any of those other... Five years prior to the quake, there were stats taken on our Christian percentage of, of, the, of Haiti, and it was 26% was Christian, 26 professing Christian. Since the quake and five years after, it's 56% of the nation is Christian. Praise God. That's what I call a move of God. When you move from 20-something percent to 50-something percent in 10 years, because they only do their, that's a move of God, praise God. Hallelujah. And so we just praise God for all that he's doing down there. Lynn, uh, Linda and I were sent 20, May this year will be 28-year anniversary. Um, we were sent 28 years ago with a word. That's all we had. And God said, I want you to go and take this nation. We didn't have Internet back in 28 years ago, and so I had to look it up in the encyclopedia. I didn't even know where it was. Hallelujah. And so uh, we went with the word. We didn't have money. We didn't have finance. We, didn't have, we barely could pay rent and, and food. And with a word to take a nation, and I never 
could wrap my mind around how we're going to take a nation and just really have very little to be able to do it. But hindsight being a lot of sight, as I look back, I now see what God meant. And through our influence and through our discipleship and through our raising up of leaders, three of the largest churches of that city are all spiritual uh, children of ours, praise God. And we're talking about three churches that are probably pastoring about 30,000 people. And so this is not anything small. And uh, others, uh, over, we've counted up over 1,000 graduates out of our Bible school that are in full-time ministry today with their own individual ministry. And so just the influence that we've had there, that's, now I see it. Now that's how we're going to take a nation, praise God. And so we are making impact on a nation. You see, God just doesn't want us changed. He wants cities and nations changed. Praise God. And we got a lot of work to do. Praise God. Amen. Not only in Haiti, but here in Texarkana and the cities of the world, we got to make an impact and touch lives. And, that, and so that's all a good thing. Praise God. Um, this year, as I always do at the, at the turn of the year, I separate myself. I've been doing this for 25 years. I separate myself for two, maybe three days. This year was two days. I felt cheated a day, but God got it downloaded pretty good in me in two days. Uh, and I seek the Lord for the coming of the new season. I believe that God does everything in times and seasons, and it wasn't by accident that God created almanac years uh, and, and calendars because so he could... Uh, Help us not-so-bright ones like me know that this is a season change now. Praise God. And so at every 30th, 28th, 29th, 30th, I separate myself from, me, from my family, and I spend time seeking God. And God began to speak to me for this year, and this is the word that I want to bring to you today for 2015 because I, I don't only believe it's just for me or what we're doing. I believe it is a global word, praise God. And the, and the title that he gave me or the words that he spoke to me, that 2015 will be a year of double portion, double glory. Double portion, double glory. Now, when God speaks something like that to me, I explode because I have seen the glory. I've walked in the glory. I've tasted of the glory. But I think God's ready to give a big drink, praise God. I, I, I mean, I, I understand the taste, and I love it every time we get it, and I'll never, uh, I'll never think less of it because it's, it's just so dynamic when the glory of the Lord manifests, but I believe he's ready to give the body of Christ a great drink. Uh, and, uh, and a double portion, I've walked under the anointing, I understand the anointing, and if God is saying to Pastor Jay, this is a year of double portion, double glory, I'm like, woohoo! praise good. Can I hear a woohoo? That's right. That means you're happy. That's a happy sound, praise God. And because I can, my, my imagination like really goes when God talks to me. And I can like, see, the one thing you don't want to do is keep God in a box, praise God. Amen. You want to go beyond the box. And my imagination can go way beyond the box. Hallelujah. Praise God. So God began to speak to me about double portion, double glory. And he began to speak to me from the scripture in the book of Haggai chapter 2. Now, Haggai is a, if you've been around the body of Christ for any time at all, I'm sure you've visited this scripture, and God has even spoken to me from time to time exactly through this scripture, but once again, he returns it to me, and in verse 6, it says, for thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, <laughs> and I understood that part, once more, and it's in a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations. Now, when we hear about shaking Nobody gets a big fat amen going, but there's really an amen for the shaking. 
He says, I am going to shake all nations that they would come to the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory. You see, the desire of all nations is just God's code for Jesus. He's saying, I'm going to shake you so you come to Jesus. I'm going to shake nations. And when he spoke this to me, he says, I'm not shaking out of anger. I'm shaking out of love and compassion. You ever remember him now from my generation, you might know this, but your mama or your daddy walked up and shook you real good just to get your attention, praise God. Amen. And, uh, but they loved us. You knew they loved us, but they shook us to get our attention. And that's the exact image I received when God spoke this to me. I'm going to shake to get their attention because I love and I care for them. And if they continue on the road that they're on, they will go to hell. And Bible says, I want none to perish, but all to come to repentance. Amen. And so he says, the shaking is from a dimension of love and compassion for people. He said, I'm going to shake social structures because social structures are more structures of, of the Antichrist than they are the kingdom. Most of our social structures in society, not only in the United States, but in the social structures of the world, are antichrist. They are not kingdom. And they've been built on world views and world systems. That when the Bible speaks of the world, it's not talking about geography. It's talking about a system. It's an antichrist system. It's a satanic system. And we don't have to be a part of it, even though we live with it around us, praise God. We live according to the kingdom. The kingdom is always opposite to the world. The, wor the world says, <laughs> uh, lust your money, get your money, save your money. Bible says, give it away. Don't lust it. Just get it and give it away. Praise God. I love it. I, I like giving away. When I get to give a bigger tithe or a bigger offering, I go, woohoo. If you ain't got a woohoo on the bigger tithe or offering, something wrong with you. Hello. I'm not just talking. I'm not going to get your money. So I'm just telling you, you got to go woohoo. I started another thing. I didn't talk about this in other services. You got to get a little more time with y'all. I did something two years ago. I decided I was not only going to tithe on my tithe, but I wanted to tithe on what I would wanted to believe God to be able to bring my salary to. Now, that's technically an offering, but there was a, there was a motive. And I forgot about it, but I had my, uh, it's a, a specific amount giving every week because my salary had been a specific amount every week. Are you all following me in this? And so I decided I was going to put this little extra on there. For example, if you're going to, if you make $100, you tithe this $10. If you want to make $150, you got to tithe $15. So I'm tithing $15 on 100 bucks because I want to move my salary to 150 bucks. And I did it and I forgot. I just wrote out my check every week. And then two years passed, just this last year, I got to start looking, scratch my head. I said, man, I, I got there. My salary had increased the amount that I was tithing on for two years. And now guess what I'm doing? I'm up at another 50 bucks. <laughs> I think I'm going to go ahead and up that baby another 50 bucks. See if we can get going there. Praise God. I got to get some retirement. I don't got nothing yet. Praise God. I've been a missionary too long. And I'm getting older, not old. All right, let's get back to work. Say, preach the word. All right. So anyhow, if you got to give. God, God, God has drawn us to the desire of all nations, and he's going to fill the temple with glory. Someone say glory. He says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine. It's very interesting that he puts that verse 8 in between 6 and 9 because what he's saying in there is, uh, oh, by the way, you need any money? You need to come get closer to me. 
Come get closer to me, and I'll, I'll release the economics in your life. And then he goes on to say, the glory of this latter temple will be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts, and in this place I will give peace. In what place? In the place of glory. You see, there's going to be a great shaking, and if you're not in the place of glory, maybe you might get shook a little bit. Hallelujah. But yet for the church, there's not, those that are passionately pursuing Christ, they're not going to get shaken. They're going to walk, walk in the peace and the rest and the security of God. They're going to walk in the economics of God. They're going to walk in the grace of God. They're going to walk in the glory of God. Are you all following me today? And so year 2015 will be a great year. It'll be a great year of God's glory, his miracles, his signs, his wonders, healings, sickness of disease, finance, economics are going to be increased in our lives if, if. You see, with everything with God is an if. You couldn't be saved unless you followed the if because you can't save yourself. So you had to receive Jesus as Lord. And only if you receive Jesus as Lord are you saved. That's the if. We see, again, oftentimes in, the, in, in God's economies, he talks about blessing tied with how we give as an if. Praise God. That's why I like to give. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to be known as the guy that loved kids and made, them, and made sure they ate. When I go, that's what I want my, my, my whatever they call that, it, epitaph to be. Thank you. Hallelujah. The guy really loved kids and made sure they ate. Hallelujah. I got a good friend that was East Texas pastor, been a blessing to us for years and years and years, gives graciously into our ministry, and God has blessed him back, and I believe in the blessing of the Lord. Got a brand-new bass boat, wanted to show me his bass boat. Might going to take me fishing. And I was looking at his bass boat, and I said, man, that's really a good bass boat. I'm really happy for you because you're blessed. But the whole time I'm thinking, how many kids can I feed with that bass boat? Some people just think a little bit different. I'm one of those. Praise God. How many, how many kids can I feed with that bass boat? Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. But those that are hungry, those that are passionate, those that are pursuing Christ in his presence, they're going to get the double portion. They're going to get the double glory. You got to have a hunger and you got to be passionate. And so as I was praying and seeking God in that 48-hour time frame, God began to download me a, a way to apprehend that glory, apprehend that a double portion. How do I get this? I don't want just the promise. I said, okay, I hear you, God. How do I get it? How do I walk in it? How do I realize it in my life? And he, so he began to speak to me from the past scriptures. And he said, son, number one, you got to be desperate for it. If you're not desperate for the glory, you won't walk in the glory. Now, you see, when, I, when he talks desperation to me, I understand it. See, I was a man of the streets, hooked on drugs and alcohol, and I was addicted. And then Jesus came into my life and set me free, praise God. But I understand an addiction. You see, when you're a drug addict and you're addicted, you'll do anything to get the product, praise God. But see, I got delivered from being addicted to drugs, and God set me free, and I became too addicted to his presence, hallelujah. And he says, if you want more of my presence, you got to be addicted. you got to pursue the product, praise God. And the product is the presence of Jesus Christ. Can you hear me say that? He says, you got to be desperate. Everybody say desperate. You see, if you're not desperate for God, God's going to be limited to what he does in your life. I don't want limitation. I want breakthrough. I can't stand limitation. I, I, I fight through it every time, and, and we have all have our limitations at times, but you've got to break through it. Somebody say amen. God has far more for you to accomplish than you can do on your own self. Matter of fact, if you've got a vision or a dream in your heart and you can do it yourself, it didn't come from God. Matter of fact, your vision and dream got to be, boy, I can't do that. 
And then you're, you're following the right situation, praise God. Hallelujah. So I found, he took me to a passage in the book of Exodus, chapter 33. I'm very familiar with it. I've preached from it for over time, off and on, but yet he took me back to a passage that I'm familiar to, and it was Moses having this dialogue with God in prayer as God is saying to Moses, I want you to carry these people to the promised land. And when, I, when he took me there, we're having that same conversation because he's saying, son, I want you to take your congregation. I want you to take your influence into this dimension that I'm speaking of. And I almost have the same conversation as Moses has with him. Moses cries out to him and says, I pray I have found grace in your sight. Show me your way. See, if you don't know God's way of doing things, it ain't going to get done. And so I already knew uh, from 30 years of ministerial experience, if I ain't got God's way, this thing's not happening. And so I said, I said, God, just like Moses, show me the way. Show me how to do this, that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation and this call, this understanding is all about you and your people. And he said, my presence will go with you. Now, the presence is very simply the manifested glory of God. The glory of God is the manifested presence. Glory of God is the manifested presence of God. And what God wants each and every one of us to be is a vessel of his presence, a vessel of his glory. Jesus is coming back for a glorious church. He's not coming for a religious church. He's not coming for a Sunday go to morn and meet in church. He's coming for a people that passionately pursue him with all of their heart, praise God. Now, if you're not yet there, you just hang on because we're going to drag you along with us. Somebody got to be a leader and somebody got to follow, praise God. Church on the Rock, Texarkana is a leader in the glory for the nation, for the city of Texarkana. I prophesied, I release it into the atmosphere in the name of Jesus. You really are, praise God. Hallelujah. Then Moses, he says, my presence, my glory be with you, I'll, and I'll give you rest. See, that's the whole key. When the glory's there, you got rest. We'll be having their teeth shaken out, and, and God will just give us rest. Yeah. And we'll, that'll be the witness. That'll be the testimony. They'll be, why, why are you so peaceful? Because of him. And they go, well, maybe I need a little of that. And then you go, yeah, come along. Praise God. Exodus 33, 15. Then he says to God, if your presence does not go with us, don't bring us up from here. Now, I know exactly what he's saying. God's telling me, I want you to lead your congregation into double glory, double anointing. I'm going, wait a minute, if, if, if this glory thing ain't going to happen, don't even take me into this. I'm really getting kind of old now, God. Now, you have to understand something. Listen to me. A move of God takes a lot of effort. I've been in and out of them. It takes a lot of effort physically. Move of God is sovereign and comes and goes, but in the midst of a move of God, it takes a lot of effort because you've got to hook up with God. Are y'all following me in this? Moves of God is not going to come and everybody go pass out on the floor and soak for a while. You got to keep moving with him. And I'm getting a little older, and I said, God, I know what you're talking about. And if you're going to want me to make this run, you got to go with me. Because I can't do this on my own. I'm thinking about fishing, and you're talking about next double anointing. Y'all follow me in this? See, a lot of us sitting in church has been talking about that fishing. God not too interested in that. <laughs> he let you fish a little. He let Peter fish some. He said, I said, if, and he said, I said, everybody said, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't bring us up from here. For how will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight and accept you go with us? 
So we shall be separate, and your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. Let me put this in real English. What Moses is saying is, if your glory doesn't go with us, what makes us different than those out there? What makes us different? If it's not the glory, what is it? Just because we go to church? That has not impressed the United States. The congregations in churches has not impressed the government. We, they don't even go after the evangelical vote anymore. I remember, and you remember, when that was a major voting block, and they went after and touted the Christians. They don't even want to talk to the Christians. I'm talking about the conservatives. I'm not even talking about the liberals. They don't even look for the Christian vote anymore. Boy, we've had an impact, haven't we? Well, praise God, we're going to have an impact. Hallelujah. What makes us different? The difference with us is not our political persuasion. The difference of us is the presence of God. The presence of God alive and active in our lives. That's the witness. It's not just the words we say. It's how we exist and live in him. Are you all following me? I don't know. Some of you are looking like I'm headlighting a deer at midnight. That means amen. And so the Lord said to Moses, I'll do this thing. God's so casual. Moses is like me. He's like, God, I got to have this. Uh, yeah, okay, no problem. I got you. Got you back. And then Moses cries out in 33, 18, and he says this, please show me your glory. That is so passive to how it's written in the Hebrew. It's unbelievable. Please show me your glory. That wasn't it. Moses cried out like this, please, God, I, gotta, I can't live without your glory. I beg you, Lord, reveal your glory to me. I got to see it, God. You see, Moses was desperate. God was calling Moses to a call that without the glory, it could not be accomplished. He's telling him to take a million plus or two million or whatever the theological number is of how many Israelites out of the desert into the promised land. And without the glory, it can't be done. Well, here it is, Church on the Rock. God is speaking to you today right here in Texarkana. He says, I want to take Texarkana out of the desert and into the glory, and I need you to do it. And if you don't respond, I'll go find another church to do it. Huh. And some of you might be a little older like me. That means we got to just kind of suck it up and go. But we got to have the glory. It can't happen without the glory. You can't just wish for the glory. You just can't want to kind of want the glory. You got to be desperate for the glory. Someone say desperate. Hallelujah. Number one, desperate. Number two. You have to be desperate and you have to pray. So I call it, you have to desperately pray. You have to desperately pray for the glory. Not only do you got to be desperate, but the desperation is revealed in a, in, a, in a fervence of prayer. Now, I know the statistics of people praying daily, and they're not real good. Now, I tell you what I had to do a long time ago. I tricked myself. I started a daily prayer meeting to make sure I would pray every day. Because I was the leader. I had to be there. Now I don't need the, I mean, we still got the daily prayer meeting. I don't need that to pray. But I had to trick myself to pray every day. You see, when you walk out of your house and you hadn't said nothing to God, what you're telling God is, I got this. I don't need you. I come climbing out of bed looking like, you know what, mess. First thing I do is my feet hit the floor as I'm beginning to talk to Jesus, tell him how much I love him. Good morning, Jesus. I love you. Please put your hand on my life this day. I can't live without you. 
I hadn't even made it to the bathroom yet, and that's like number one and a half on the list. Number one, Jesus, as I'm headed. Hey, some of you older guys understand. Praise God. It's very important. We even talk in the bathroom. Talk when I'm brushing my teeth. Talk when I'm trying to comb this moppy hair. I'm talking all the time. I talk all around the campus and the, and, the, and, the, and the campus, and kids are going, who are you talking to, Pastor? Talking to God, don't bother me. Talk to him all the time. See, prayer isn't just on, prayer, good place to pray is on your knees, but prayer is not just on your knees. Prayer is communion with Jesus. You got to pray. You got to pray not, I just, and start wherever you are. If you're not praying every day, start with a little prayer. Don't get all caught up with some kind of thing you'll fail and be condemned. Start praying something every day. Now I lay me down to sleep. I don't care, but God will take it and move it. Now I can't even get a prayer in in an hour. I need time. Got stuff I got to talk about. I learned a long time ago, big great man of God didn't taught me this. He said, now when you have problems, do this. And I do it. You know what I do? I sit down in my chair now and I say, God, your ministry is a real mess. It needs your help. And I don't know if you're expecting me to do about it, but you got to get involved here. Some of your lives and some of your families are a real mess, and what you need to do is sit down in the chair and say, God, this family's a real mess. You need to get involved here. Somebody say amen. My, fin- your, my finances, which are your finances, they're a mess too, God. you got to get involved here. So when you walk out of the house and you haven't prayed, you're just telling God, I got this. I'll call on you if I need you. Well, see, that's called what we call emergency prayer. If you pray more, you don't need to emergency pray as much. Hallelujah. You got to be desperate and you got to pray. Number two, which was God revealed to that to me in, from the book of Acts in chapter one and two and three, where the early church was stirred to pray. And Jesus said to him, he said, he said to him and commanded them to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise. He said, John baptized with water, but in a few days you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with power. Power is the Greek word dunamis, which is the root word for dynamite. And when you have the glory, which is the power of the Holy Spirit, the manifested presence of God, you've got a bang in your walk. Instead of, oh, my God, the devil. Oh, oh my God, the devil. (laughs) Are you going to make me get lost? Praise God. Hallelujah. Yeah, you can't just, you got to have some bang in your walk. Who cares about the devil? He's a defeated foe. The keys of hell and of death were taken away from him. Why are we going to give him credit? Now, he does come and test the market a little bit. You just got to slap him up the head real good. Sometimes it takes more than a prayer to slap him real good. Bible says resist the devil and he will flee from you. Well, sometimes resistance takes a little time. So you got to slap him up the head so many times he's tired of getting slapped. Then he goes away. All right, so he said, you're going to have the Holy Spirit in power. Say power. And so they went. Now, listen, from the day of ascension to the day of Pentecost was 10 days. Now, you have to understand, they were desperately praying because they stood there and watched their Lord go up in the air, and they were like, oh, where'd he go? What are we going to do? Them Roman soldiers hate us. They weren't theologians going, oh, well, you know, he said that we go up there and we're going to get some power. No, they were like, oh, we better get to that room, pray like crazy. Hello. And they went up there for 10 days. 10 days. They didn't come out. 
I don't know if they ate a little bread, drank a little coffee anytime in there, but they prayed like crazy. And the Bible says that when they were in one place and one accord. Now, one place is not geographic. They were in one place spiritually. They had but one thing on their mind. They needed the presence of God. They needed that promise called the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says that in the middle of that 10 days, it could have been 12 days, it could have been 15 days, it could have been 120 days, who knows? But it was 10 days. And at 10 days, it said in the middle of their desperation, they're suddenly, say suddenly. You see, that's how God does it. I don't know how many times in my life suddenly has come, but I'll be desperate. I'll be frantic. Anybody else ever been there, or am I the only one telling the truth today? And I'll be wringing my hands going, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And God's not talking because God's really, like, chilling out. He's on the boat sleeping somewhere. And then what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And then all of a sudden, after two weeks, of what are we going to do? Boom! Suddenly, God comes and he moves, and he brings deliverance to the situation. Praise God. That's kind of God. And then suddenly it said a sound as a rushing mighty wind came. A sound as. It wasn't a wind. There was no wind in the house. There was this sound. That was the manifest presence of God beginning to manifest in that room. And tongues of fire, they could see tongues of fire sitting upon each and every one of the believers. Those tongues of fire with spiritual visions of the power and the fire of the Holy Ghost that God wants to baptize every person in this room with and release a, a double portion, double anointing, double glory in our lives, which brings a bang. When some of us in here need a bigger bang. I need a bigger bang. Who am I preaching to? Praise God. Hallelujah. So number one, you got to be desperate. Number two, you got to desperately pray. Number three, you got to worship from your heart. Now, worship is more than just sing some songs. Worship is singing from the heart. You got to worship God from here. Now, I get into it a little bit, but you don't have to do just like me. It's not your external movement that's heart worship it's what's going on inside of you i realize some of you are more conservative don't try to balance it with me i'm a nut i get into it i do all these hands and i'm there and you'll get with my wife we look like two hippies at a rock concert that's where we come out of so we figure what the heck we'll worship jesus that way hallelujah the only thing we don't see now is Trey. Whoa, look at that. La Peavel. And they all said, John chapter 4, he says, the hour is coming and now is. When's the hour? If I read it next week, when's the hour? If I read it a month from now, when's the hour? That's it. That's called progressive present tense. Not using the English language often, but he's saying the hour always is. And the hour now is that true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. God began to speak to me. He says, you got to de- be desperate. you got to desperately pray, and you got to worship me like you've never worshipped me before for the double portion, double glory. He says, you worship me with your heart. You worship me with truth. You ever been, and, and I felt it here today. Uh, I can't remember what service it was. I think maybe all of them, but I'm just worshiping, and all of a sudden you feel this peace come into the room. That's the presence of the Lord. Why does the presence of the Lord come? Because number one, when you're worshiping from your heart, you're coming in agreement with the word of the Lord. 90% of those, that music is based on the word of God. And, it's re- and you're singing the promises of God, and you're singing the glory of God, and you're singing unto God, and God just comes and sits in that. 
And all of a sudden, you kind of feel goosebumpy. It's an ambience. It's, a, it's an atmosphere that's spiritual. And, you go, and you're not even thinking about the battle anymore, whatever the battle was. It's amazing. I mean, I'm married 38 years, and we could have had a little fuss coming to church, and in the middle of that moment, she's reaching over, grabbing my hand. That fuss is all over because the presence of God is there. Are you all listening to me? That's the glory of the Lord coming in a dimension. But God says double portion, double glory. Are you ready? Are you hungry yet? He says, for true worshipers will worship him in spirit or truth. Those are the ones God's seeking. For God is spirit, and, God, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Number one, you've got to be desperate. Number two, number two, you've got to be what? Prayerful. You've got to desperately pray. Thank you. Number three, you've got to be a worshiper from your heart. And now worship's not just in a collective corporate time. You've got to worship God all the time. I mean, I got three radio stations in Haiti that my radio and my car be on. That's one, two, and three, Christian, Christian, and Christian. Now, I know I'm out here in the, in the deep south, and, and everybody likes a little country twang. You can just go ahead and throw that thing out the window because all that country twang is talking about is what should have been, could have been, or might have been. Now, come on. Find you some country uh, Christian, then. There got to be some out there somewhere. Hallelujah. What should have been, could have been, or might have been. Forget all that. I know what is. I know the great I am. You ain't going to find it in country music. I'm sorry. I know I'm stepping on some toes. Let me step on them. That country music about messed me and my marriage up. I yanked the plug right out of that. So you ain't listening to that stuff no more. All of a sudden, I had to be one of those country singers. Well, I can't be. You understand me? And then if you don't act just right, then you're wrong because you're not doing what the country singer says in the song you're supposed to do. What well, a country singer ain't God. Here's my country singer. Ah, there went my offering. Went straight down in the basket, man. Praise God. Hallelujah. There it goes, 2 Chronicles 5, 13. I'm trying to finish. Trust me. It said that when the Cana passed, the trumpeters and singers were singing country songs. Oh, it's not in there said the trumpeters and singers were as one. Why were they as one? Because they were worshiping Jesus to make one sound, to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, and for he is good and his mercy endures forever, that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. The house was filled with such a cloud, the priest could not continue to minister because of the cloud and the glory of the Lord filled the house, praise God. Hallelujah. Let me see country music do that. It can't happen. Praise God. But the he's not just talking about this house. This is a house. But here's the other house. When the glory of the Lord fills the house, you can't even stand up and do nothing. God will just do it for you. Praise God. God hallelujah. You don't need to pray about stuff. You need to be a praying about the presence of God. Because if the presence of God is there, he'll take care of the stuff. Praise God. You don't need to go to God with some kind of market list for the grocery store. He already knows what you need. What do you think he is? You think he's like, like not knowing anything? He's the great I am. He's omniscient. He knows everything. And you think you got to go there and tell him what you need? No, you need to get on your knees and say, God, send me your glory. i got to have your presence. i got to have you in my life. I need you, God. And then God comes and he gives you the stuff. 
I've learned a long time ago, I very rarely pray for me and my stuff. Very rarely. I know it says you have not because you ask not, blah, blah, blah. I don't pray for my stuff. I pray for everything else, and God just takes care of my stuff. Now, I'm giving you 30 years of experience. You know, that's a long time. You don't have to pray for your stuff. God knows what you need. He wants the glory in the earth. Matter of fact, he really don't care about your stuff. He's got a bigger plan. It's all inclusive, and we all get apart. Are y'all, and then the stuff just comes because he's just going to be a blessing to you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Number one, you got to uh, be desperate. Number two, you got to desperately pray. Number three, you got to worship. Then what happens? Number four, I'm closing now. Just for those who are wondering. Hallelujah. From this, there's a platform belt by God. It's a dimension of faith that you begin to walk in. A confidence. Faith is a confidence that you begin to understand no matter where you go, wherever you place your foot, wherever you walk, the glory of the Lord's there. It's with you. It never leaves you. It never forsakes you. It's just there. And then, a bit, and then miracles begin to manifest in dimensions and ways like you've never seen before. I've seen so many miracles over the time. But it's just a taste. I'm ready for the drink. It's just a taste. I've seen AIDS totally delivered. People of AIDS where they went back and re- retested. They were positive and came back with the form in their hand going negative. God moved. We've all experienced God move with sicknesses and diseases, and, I've, and I, we've seen, I've, seen, I've seen one good time that I know of in my heart where a paraplegic, uh, someone crippled from his waist down, whatever that is, paraplegic, and came up out of a wheelchair walking, praise God. I mean, we've all seen it. We've all tasted it, but I'm ready for the long drink, and God's ready for a long drink. And God's saying, I'm needing a people that will passionately seek me, and I'll build a level and dimension of faith in their life. You see, what we have to do, we have to move from the natural. We are captivated from living in the natural, and you have to move from living in the natural to live in the supernatural. The supernatural, the sphere of where God lives, you're more connected there than you are to the earth. Doesn't mean you're floating around looking weird. I look pretty weird, but I'm not floating around. You know what I mean. You see those guys coming, they kind of, some of those people kind of float. And they come into church, and they're going to prophesy over the walls and the carpet and everything, you know. Now, that's just weird. All right? You don't have to be weird to be spiritual. You can just be cool with God, and God be with you. Are you all following me in this? He builds this dimension of faith, and, I, and he took me to the book of uh, John chapter 4, or chapter 11, excuse me, where he talked about uh, uh, Lazarus dying and being in the tomb. And, and Jesus goes to the tomb, and he, and he says, roll away the stone. And then there's sweet Mary, sweet Mary stuck in the natural. And she goes, uh, he'd been dead four years, he, four days, sorry, four days, he's going to smell. Jesus wasn't worried about his smell. She's down in the natural, he's over here in the supernatural. That's what a lot of us do. We, I've done it. We do this thing with God like our natural understanding is really going to help him. And he says, what are you talking about? He's going to smell. Get out of the natural. Come up here with the supernatural. I'm getting ready to raise the dead. He said, move the stone. Lazarus, come forth. And he looked at Mary and he said, did I not tell you if you believe you will see the glory of the Lord? And that's what God is saying to Texarkana today. If you will believe, if you will seek me, if you'll passionately pursue me, if you'll desperately call for me, I will come and I will reveal the glory of the Lord for these families and these people and this church for the glory of the kingdom. Somebody shout amen.
Even if you love country music, shout amen. That's what God wants. He wants a glorious church. But it doesn't come just because we're passively hanging out. It comes because we pursue him with everything we got. That's the kind of God he is. He's jealous for your presence. How would you like your wife hanging with another man or your husband hanging with another woman? Well, that's the way God feels about us when we hang with the world. That's real. And he just wants to slap that old world upside the head just like we would do that other man or that other woman and get our husband or our wife back. He don't want a Sunday morning date. He wants a marriage. And too many Christians have been dating. He ain't interested in the date. He wants you all. But in it, there's nothing better. Whatever you give up to have him is far greater than what you gave up. And everybody said, come on, let's give a hand clap to the Lord. God bless you. God bless you. Now I'm going to pray over you real quick. Hallelujah. And I'm going to pray that all, the, all, the, all you music lovers will forgive me. You know what I'm saying is true. And I'm going to pray for you right now. Come on. If you want double portion, double glory, lift the hand of Jesus. Father God, we just thank you for this opportunity to speak your word. We thank you for this opportunity, God, to spend time with you. God, we're here. We've heard the promise. We've heard a word of the Lord for this day and this hour. And God, we lift our hands in reception to it, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would come and baptize your congregation here today with a double portion, a double glory. I pray that a double portion, double glory go into every aspect of their lives, that the, that the stuff and the attacks would dissipate because of your presence in their lives. Lord, we pray, vic we release victory. We prophetically release victory in the lives of your people, Lord, that comes from the double portion, double glory. Lord, that this would be a prophetic people that would arise in the light and the glory of the Lord and be a beacon of light to this city and to the nations of the world. Bless them, Father, I pray this. Bless them with the anointing and the glory that we have spoke of. I pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Give it up to the Lord. Praise Pastor, the Lord. Give the Lord a good here. hand. Why don't we just stand to our feet just a second? I just want to close with a song and give you a chance to respond to what you heard. When I look back in my life, when I was young, listen, I went to church. I had some level of God in my life, but I had no idea that God wanted to be real to me each day. Again, I'm not talking about the spooky, the weird, but I'm talking about my life being an instrument in the hand of God Almighty. That God could take me, my, my bumps and my frizzles and everything, and make me into a man of God to do something with my life. And could we just in a very fresh way say, Lord, that's what I want in my life. I, I don't want to be a Sunday Christian. I want everything you've got for me. I, I don't want to get to the end of my life and say, I wish I would have lived for Christ. I wish I would have been a person of the presence. Lord, I want it to start right now. Let's just worship one song and let's just reach out to heaven and, and you talk to God for yourself. Of your presence, let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us speak of your 
reach out to Let us experience the glory of your goodness, Lord. Your presence. The Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and feel the Pray this prayer with me right now. Say, Lord, I, I, I want you to change me on the inside. I know there's more that you have for my spiritual life. I know there's more in our relationship. I know there's more in what, Lord, you have created me to do. And, Lord, I don't want to miss any of it. I want to be the person you created me to be. Come on, pray that prayer right now. Just say, Lord, I want to be the person you created me to be, but I can't get there on my own. I need you to help me. Come on, pray that right now. Just say, Lord, I give you the permission. I give you the right to take and mold me like a piece of clay and make me into the person you want me to be. Hallelujah. And I pray this in Jesus' name. We're going to sing this through one more time and then close. Thank you for the extra moment or two of time here. We want to make a place for anyone that needs prayer. We want to pray for you. The worst thing you can do is come to church with a burden and a need and leave the same way. In just a minute, I'm going to invite our prayer team. They'll stand over to my right. They'll pray for you. I'm going to ask Pastor Jay if he'll linger just a moment. And if you want him to pray for you, now listen, for God's anointing on your ministry, something that the Lord's called you to do, just a brief prayer, we'd be honored to pray with you. And I want to ask you before you go, too, if you'd like to give an offering to Haiti. Um, they're building a, a, a building for their children's church. And right now their kids are still meeting in a tent, and it's about 50000 They raised half of it. We're going to help with that today. And anything you give will go 100% towards helping them build that building. Honey, you want to say something about that? Yes. Pastor Jay didn't say in this service, but, you know, they owed $2.5 million. And it came down to the last six weeks that money was due by a mafia family. They had to, to pay it or lose it. And God came, and he called it at the nick of time. God came just in time. So they're building. God has provided financing for their building. But now they need to build their children's building. Now, if you can imagine living in Haiti, and we, we were there when they had the church that, that just had the tent because their building collapsed. The church was just a tent. And when it would rain, the rains would come through. And you'd get wet inside, and it's becoming hurricane season. Well, these children are still on a dirt floor with the, the rains coming in and when the winds blow those tents come down and we're just believing that the children are going to have a concrete building and they're going to have a concrete floor and they're going to learn about God and we're talking about hundreds of children that come to their services every week and so we'd like to partner with him and help them see this children's building being built we have a team going in March and if that money is raised then they may be able to help put up some of the beginning of building that bit, that facility for the kids. Praise the Lord. So if you want to give today with one last song, I'll leave my Bible on the pulpit. You can put something here. There'll be ushers at the back door. You can use the debit machines and just write uh, Haiti Building for the Children. Let's sing one more time, Pastor Nick. And I want our prayer team 
our church prayer team, if you'll just gather right over here, and Pastor Jay, if you'll be right over here, and if you want prayer for anything, you come, you need to get your life right with Christ, you have a need, a physical sickness, whatever it may be, but you want prayer, you come and we'll pray for you. We'll sing one time and dismiss. I love you. Thanks for coming today. Don't forget prayer tonight, 630.